Welcome to the Awakening Church. Here's this week's message from Pastor Stefan Fusle. Welcome, my name is Pastor Stefan. So great to have you here this morning. How you guys doing? Give yourself a round of applause. You came here in the rain. So um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start a brand new series here today, and it, it is called When God Doesn't Make Sense. And a lot of the times in life, things don't always go the way we planned. Can I get an amen in here? There's a little bit of a detour every now and then. And it, this is going to be not one of those fluffy, fun series where you're, you're gonna, I'm just going to tell you you're going to have a blessed life and you're going to have lots of money and you're going to get your dream girlfriend or wife and everything's going to be peachy. No, that's not what this series is about. We're not going to be on television telling you, telling you that if you send in $100 that you're going to be a millionaire. That's, that's not what I'm selling you this morning. Uh, today we're going to be talking about when we feel like God is inattentive, late, or uncooperative. We're going to be taking a look at the New Testament over the next three weeks. And it, it, is, it is difficult because sometimes, like for example, I'm going to give you one that I just had recently. I'm going to share with you when, when I felt like God has maybe been a little bit of inattentive. And I was preparing this whole summer my daughters for private school, teaching them the ABCs, how to write their names, how to count to 25, frontwards, backwards, random numbers. And it's a lot of work when you're working with a new mind, you know, and they're just full of energy. And so we worked very hard and we, praise God, we got an acceptance letter uh, for Alele. We're, we're praying for Katyulani. So this is a great Christian school in Paia called Doris Taz. Awesome. Um, and then we, um, then we looked at the price. And it, it's close to, it's like for the both of them combined per year, is like 13000 And I was like, how am I going to, how am I going to afford this? I'm, I'm a church planter. I don't make much money for the church. You know, I have this muscle car rental thing that I do on the side. My wife works at the university. We do not make that much money. And, you know, God, and I had a, started having a conversation with God because I started feeling the frustration come on. I was like, see, God, this is, this is what I'm talking about when I said that I was afraid to go and follow you. Because I knew that there might be times when I feel like you're inattentive to my needs. And my idea of your provision and your idea of provision may be two different things. And here I am, I'm a father, I'm supposed to provide, right? I'm supposed to take care. My identity's wrapped up in my work and be able to take care of my family. And I can't even afford to send them to a school that's going to be good for them, you know, where they can get a good Christian uh, education. And I felt so angry. I don't think I've ever, and this is a couple of days ago, by the way. I was, I'd never been so angry at somebody. Really, like not even a physical person. But I'm angry at God, and I was so mad. And I'm, I, I almost took my, my smartphone and threw it against the wall. That's how mad I was. And I'm, I'm so mad, and I start crying. Because I can't give my children what I feel like would be good. And I'm like, God, I know you can do it. I don't, have you ever done something kind of like a little odd or weird? Like, kind of like what I'm about to tell you right now. I texted God. I, sent a, I said, typed in Jesus and I typed in God and I said, I'm mad at you. 
and your idea and my idea of provision are two different things. And, uh, you know, I basically said, um, what else did I say? I said, I know you, I have the faith that you can do this. I know that you can provide, but I don't think that you want to or, or I don't know what you're doing. I can't see clearly right now because it's not happening. And I, I, was, so, I was so mad and frustrated that I started to cry. Have you ever been so mad that you started to cry? That's usually where I go to when I get so ticked. I can't, and I can't do anything. I can't, there's, no, there's no solution. I, I go to tears. And so that's what happened a couple days ago. And so I, I started calming down. Well, actually, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was mad the whole night. <laughs> you know, your body gets tense and you're just irritated and angry, like punching your pillow, you know, and rolling over hard. And your wife's like, calm down, you know. Like, that, that, that's what I was. I was. I was upset. But, like, as the hours went, I started to calm down. And I started thinking. I couldn't sleep. started thinking to myself, by the way, um, this is not resolved yet, but I, I thought back to my past. I thought back to my past when I couldn't afford to go to school, and I felt like God wanted me to go, but he wasn't doing it. And I was, it was, it was in poverty. I didn't, my parents didn't have much money because they worked, they worked for United and made plenty of money there, but because we had eight kids, you know how that goes, right? And trying to send the first three to college and getting 50000 in debt for each one of them. It's just kind of hard when, you know, when you have that many kids. But I, I, uh, I wanted to go. To, I felt like God was calling me to go to ministry and be in ministry. But how am I going to get a good education to do that? And, well, what happened was, long story short, I had, before I had said yes to God to, um, uh, to, to being a minister, I had had a uh, running away from Jesus moment before I surrendered where I had ended up eloping with someone, a crazy, I call her psycho. It was, it was crazy. It was, it was out of control. But what ended up happening is that, that the depth of that dark place and that discouragement and knowing that I've messed up and knowing that I, where I needed to go but couldn't go, God used the bad and turned it around for the good. The fact that I got eloped emancipated me from my parents and all of a sudden I was eligible for federal grants and loans and things that needed to go to school. And so I thought, last night I was thinking back on this, and I was like, you know, you took a bad situation before God, and you used that to actually get me the thing that you knew I needed. And then, so I started to calm down. Maybe there's, maybe there's something I haven't found yet. Maybe there's something I've, I've missed. And so I went and called up a bunch of people the next day. Sure enough, there's some, some government programs to help, um, potentially, if you know, we we put in a bunch of applications and stuff, so we're going to be praying on it, but it's, it's not answered. But there's a potential answer to the problem right now. It's just not immediate. It's not right now. And um, anyway, I thought I'd tell you that because even as a pastor, sometimes you feel like that God is inattentive or late or uncooperative, and you're just trying to do what he wants you to do. He's just trying to do his will, but really he's, maybe he's trying to teach you something. Maybe he's just trying to bring you through something or develop your character or, or something like that matter. And, and I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever felt like irritated with God because he's inattentive, late, or uncooperative. You know, it's, it's the little things. For example, you ever hear your, your buddies or your friends talk about, oh, I got this miracle today. I, there was no parking. It was so full. And I just prayed to God that he would open a parking lot. And then, oh, the sky parted and there was a 
spot front row, and I was able to get that spot, and you're just like, are you serious? You, you had to park like at the very end of the parking lot. It took you 10 days to walk over here, and you sweat, and you completely saturated your clothes. You just want to shake them, you know? God bless you, you know? And, or uh, have you ever heard a pastor tell a story that was just like, are you serious? Like, for example, I was on the plane the other day, and I sat next to a fortune teller, and she said, can I read your palm? And I was like, you mayest, you know, because we like to talk preachers in, in, you know, the old, the New King James Version, right? So, you know, she read it, she said, oh, there's a cross on there, and oh, my goodness. He's like, yes, I say, yes, that's right, because I'm a Christ follower, and I give my heart to Christ, and I'm, I'm a pastor. And she gives her heart to Jesus right there on the plane. And then before you know it, everybody's paying attention, and then a couple other people are listening to the story. They got saved too, and then the flight attendant got on in it, and she got saved and went and told the captain. The captain got on the loudspeaker and said, hey, let him through the, the whole plane through to Jesus. And then before you know it, we turned the plane around, and we landed in Africa, and we led a mission there, and we had a crusade, and millions of people got, came to Jesus. And before you know it, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you ever hear a pastor tell a story, like, and you're just like, are you serious? Like, I'm stuck in my mess, and you're like, oh, God's so great, his miracle, you know. It's frustrating, right? Let's be real. You got you see your neighbor, get the, your dream car. Oh, infuriating. And he has a, he's not as smart as I am. He's not as talented as I am. I deserve to have that. You think about these type of things. You think about when people who you feel like are, less adequate or less spiritual than you and they're getting blessed and you're just like what is going on god what is the deal i remember meeting a church planter um in my earlier church planting years and i met him and his church plant was just uh, it was just a failure and so he gave it up and walked away and he's going to plant a new church and i was like yeah right this guy's not going to it's not going to succeed. And he's got like a church is like 600 now. And I'm just like, really? You know, you ever, have you ever felt like that before? And, and, but God, God doesn't, he works in mysterious ways in his ways are our way. But we're going to talk about this and we're going to, we're going to bring scripture and what God's word has to say about it. We're going to take a look at a story where it seems that God is being inattentive. That's what we're going to focus on this week. Um, and then we're going to, Try to give you the best answer, the best biblical answers we can to kind of solve this issue with our own hearts and with the text. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. We're going to bow our heads, close our eyes, ask the Holy Spirit for help. Hello, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the people that are here. We thank you for this rain. Um, Lord, we thank you for that it's Mother's Day and that we get to celebrate the, the work and the, and the love and the sacrifice that moms put into raising um, their children and, and being a great wives and Lord, we just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would be in this place. Give us peace. Speak through me this morning, Father, and just, Lord, convict hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen. And we're going to turn to Mark chapter 6, so you can start turning there right now. Um, hey, if you don't have a Bible, we want to bless you with a custom awakening Bible. Uh, they're in back right there. If you'd like one, you raise your hand and we'll grab one, bring one to you. Or if you have a friend you feel like you want to give one to, it's just our gift to you. It's a new living translation as well. If you want to download um, the Awakening app, it's free on your smartphone. You can listen to messages 
You can give, you can do all kinds of cool stuff. You even have the Bible read to you. It's pretty cool. Just don't get in a car accident trying to meddle, fiddle with it. I've done that before. Anyway, um, now, talk about inattentive, right? <laughs> Jeez, no text and driving. I know your tricks. I know I'm watching you. Okay, so we're going to take a look at Mark 6, but the first point I'd like to make, and you can write this down if, if you are, you can text it or to someone you feel like needs to hear it or you can post it on Facebook, but the first thought is um, just because God is silent doesn't mean that God is absent. Just because God is silent, you're asking for something, you're needing something, you're in trouble, just because he's silent doesn't mean he's absent. I mean, you guys got the, the typical footprints, right, poem that you see on some people's homes where they see it, one set of footprints, and the person's asking, God, where were you when I was in my trouble? And he was like, I was with you, carrying you, right? It's that kind of concept. Now, I want to tell you a story about a man named John the Baptist. John the Baptist. And I got to be transparent with you this morning that it's not one of my favorite stories because it's not the outcome that I would have want if I was watching a movie. Have you ever watched a movie and you're just like, the, 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 the ending was terrible? You're just like, okay, I'm, I'm depressed now, thanks, right? Have you ever watched a movie like that and it's just, oh my goodness, it's terrible, but this is one of those stories, right? Where, where there's not a good ending. And, and John the Baptist, is he is Jesus' cousin. Now, I'm telling you, if you wanted to be somebody in that time, be no better position than to be the cousin of Jesus, right? Related to him, right? You're in. And not only that, John the Baptist, he knew who Jesus was. He was his job was to prepare the way for Jesus. I mean, he would walk around in camel skins and, and tell people to repent of their sin and baptize them and and, and he was, his whole role in life was to prepare the way for Jesus. And he was a hero amongst the people. The people liked him. The, the religious leaders didn't. The Sadducees, Pharisees, they didn't like him. But the people loved John the Baptist because he had the heart of Christ. Now, Herod, Antipas, okay, was married, all right, and he fell in love with his brother's wife, Philip's wife. Herodias, all right, you can just tell by the, the sound of her name, she was a bad person. I mean, she was a bad chick, okay? She's like, I'm going to cut you type of chick, okay? You know, the kind that you did not want to mess with. And she, she was horrible. And she divorced her, her brothers, Philip, and married Herod. And John the Baptist, being filled with the Spirit of God, went and confronted them and said, hey, you know, what you did was bad. And so she was like holding a grudge. How many of you have met somebody that just hold a grudge, okay? And they're just waiting. You can tell. You can feel it. They're just waiting for their opportunity to get even with you. Okay, well, this is that kind of person. Like, I'm going to cut you. I'm going to get even. I'm going to wait for my opportunity, and then I'm going to jump. That's what Herodias was. And that's when we pick up the text because... Um, uh, Herod had John the Baptist arrested and thrown in prison. And this is what we're going to pick up here in Mark. Mark chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. And this is what it says. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother's Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, 
It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and waited to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. Now, John is faithfully serving Jesus. He's faithfully living out his calling to prepare a way for Jesus. And he had not only power in what he did, but he was humble. He was a good man. He said, listen, I'm not fit to to, to walk in Jesus' sandals. And in fact, when John's disciples came up to him and said, you know, Jesus, what do, we, what do we do? What do we do about this, uh, this other guy, Jesus? He's taking all the attention and taking the show. And guess what John does? He doesn't hoard his disciples and say, oh, yeah, he's, he's bad and I'm, I'm better. No, he says, Jesus is greater than I am. You should go follow him. Right? And he gave and he was humble and he, he lifted Jesus up. Now, and then we get to a point even where John is the one that gets to baptize Jesus. Isn't that neat? Isn't that awesome? There was a relationship there. There was was a a love there. Now, they were cousins. It's not like they lived in different parts of town. They grew up together. But John gets arrested. He gets arrested and put in prison for doing what was right, what he was called to do, what God was to have him to do. Surely Jesus will come to the rescue, right? Angels, hallelujah, right? Come in on the white horse and just like uses power to like knock down walls and shatter the, the iron gates and, you know, whisk John the Baptist away. But he doesn't. Do you think that do you think that John being in prison? Have you guys watched the prison shows, right? Where they where they lock people up? Yeah. How many of you get like every once in a while when you're watching one of the shows, a feeling of dread comes over you because you can imagine what it might be like to be in there? Okay, imagine John the Baptist sitting in his cell. Days go by, weeks go by, months go by. Do you think his faith stays strong? Do you think there might have been a couple times that John had been a little irritated, feeling like maybe Jesus or God was inattentive? I, I, I personally think so. It's not always rose petals when it comes to our faith. I think that John the Baptist was human. I think that he had human being thoughts and frustrations. And he was probably, why, why, God? Why? Are you not paying attention to what's going on? I'm in prison. I'm supposed to be doing your work. Jesus. Where's Jesus? So, I think that maybe Jesus, or maybe John the Baptist was starting to have second thoughts about Jesus and who he was. Right? He's just supposed to be this miracle worker. Here I am stuck. Let's take a vote. How many of you think that 
Uh, go with your gut. If you think that he had strong faith and he didn't buckle, raise your hand. If you think that he, he, he probably started questioning Jesus, raise your hand. Let's do a vote. First, who do you think that he, he held strong? Okay, got a couple of you. Okay. How many of you think that he buckled? Okay. All right, cool. Now, let's find out. Let's find out. Matthew chapter 11. This is a different text. It's a different, uh, um, it's, it's one of the other gospels that gives us a different perspective in on this story. That's what's kind of cool about reading the different gospels because it gives a different perspective. But Matthew chapter 11, same story, verses 2 to 3. This is what it says. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, right? All the miracles he's doing, all the power that he has. He's raising people from the dead. He sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? He's asking him, hey, are you the guy? Because I'm still here. And, and Jesus is doing miracles for strangers, but I'm your cousin. I'm your cousin. He turned water into wine at, at, at marriage parties, but you can't come and get me out of prison? I bet you he experienced some real doubt, John the Baptist. Matthew chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk. And those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Well, first of all, when John the Baptist goes sends for Jesus to say, hey, are you the Messiah? First of all, Jesus doesn't say, yes, hey, I am. He tells him, hey, look at the evidence. And then on top of that, Jesus is not the one that comes and answers him. He sends, he sends a messenger back to John the Baptist. Now, what happens is, one day, Herod is throwing a party. And it's just a rager. Everybody's wasted, okay? And Herod's daughter decides to do a dance. And she does a dance so well that Herod basically says, I'll give you anything you want, anything in my kingdom. Now, for that kind of dance to be that influential, all right, it, it, I don't think it would be in a ball, ballroom dance or a, a ballet it probably would be more on the level of what modern-day twerking is or something, or belly dance. Who knows, okay? But it was not appropriate. But he was, like, so amazed by it that he says, you can have anything you want. And so this daughter of her, his, well, does she ask for a new iPhone? Does she ask for a pony? No, he goes, she goes to her mother and says, hey, what do you want? And guess what she asked for? She asked for John Baptist's head on a platter. Now, what happens? Does Jesus go in and rescue him at that moment, the biggest moment of his need? No, he doesn't. 
kind of like, it goes against the whole concept that a lot of us have come to believe in the church that, hey, if I follow God, I'm never supposed to get sick. Nothing ever bad is going to happen to me. I'm, I'm never going to have to worry financially anymore because, right, God's going to take care of that. Or I'm never going to have any relational problems because our marriage will be just so amazing because we have Jesus. But that's not the reality sometimes. Sometimes the story doesn't end well. And so that's where we pick up in Mark, continuing in the story, chapter 6, verse 26 to 28. It says, The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent the executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went beheaded John in, in the prison and brought back his head on a platter. So, you, like, like I said before, I don't, I don't like this ending. I don't like this ending, but the reality is, is if, if you think about it, was John's purpose fulfilled? Did he do what God asked? Yeah. He completed his task. He completed his role. And in, in, in a sense, his death is a foreshadowing of the death of Christ. He's preparing the way, and, and then he himself is, is killed. God, God's purpose and plan was fulfilled, but it might not have been to John the Baptist's liking or his way of planning things out. I mean, if he had his choice, what do you think John would have gone he probably wouldn't have gone out by being beheaded. But I'll say this. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. we got a lot of plans, but it's the purpose that God has for us that's more important. It takes priority over our plans. Sometimes the way we plan things out isn't going to happen. But it's God's purpose that is the priority in our life. And he's always got a purpose. In the midst of the good and the bad, he's got a purpose for you. So, now, how does this apply to you? I'm going to land the plane here. I'm going to close the message up. How does, this plan, uh, how does this apply to you? Well, you don't have to understand the plan to trust God's purpose. You don't have to understand the plan to trust God's purpose. All right, because I mean, sometimes in our life we'll pray for somebody to get well and they'll pass away. We'll pray for provision and God won't come through. We'll ask for healing in our relationship and it doesn't get restored. But we got to trust God has a plan and a purpose for you. And He's going to do great things in and through it. Some of you got, have been hit hard in life. Some of you got um, pain. You got migraines. You, 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 know, you, you have hard work in life. You have to work three or four jobs. And you're, you're wondering like, hey, well, when will I have to stop struggling this hard in life? What's the plan? No matter. God says, trust my purpose. I'm bringing out my purpose in you. My faith is not in my plan, right? My faith 
is in God's purpose. You ever heard the joke, we make plans and then God laughs? <laughs> I'm going to do this. It's going to be great. It's going to be big. It's going to be awesome. Um, I mean, if you look at Scripture, it's obvious. I mean, you look at Jesus in the garden, right? He says, we have our, our friends come and visit us. They help clean up the bread comes. Anyway, uh, remember Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, right? He's, he's perspiring blood because his heart is so distressed. And he's like, hey, Jesus, or sorry, hey, God, take this from me, right? Take this cup from me if it's possible. But then he says what? Not my will be done, but your will be done. I mean, you, you look at it. There's stories in the Bible that where people trust, not in the plan, but in God's purpose. Now, if you feel like God's been silent and attentive, well, it doesn't mean God's absent. Doesn't mean he's absent, and doesn't mean he has a purpose for you. Uh, one of my favorite verses. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, and this is to encourage you guys, because I know this has been like a Debbie Downer, like, well, well if you've ever watched that SNL skit, right, Debbie Downer, she's always the bad news person, like, wah, wah, wah. okay, no, you don't watch enough TV. Good. You're blessed because of that. Um, this verse is my favorite because it's so true. It's in Jeremiah, and this is what it says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God has a plan for you that will come all together and it doesn't deviate. He's, he's written out a plan for you and he has a purpose for you and that will happen. And I like also the verse that says that God uses uh, the bad and turns it around for your good. There's even another scriptures that said he, that, that you can redeem back what the enemy stole from, from you. And I really believe that for everything works for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. That's Scripture. That's His promise. Everything works for the good. So you've got to understand that what's happening right now and the struggle that you're in, there is a purpose behind it. God doesn't waste pain. God doesn't waste suffering. God doesn't waste problems and trials. He doesn't. He's not in the business of doing that. And every time I look back in my life, I see a season where it was really tough, but I would never take that season away in my life because of what I gained from it, the wisdom, the perspective, and yes, sometimes blessing. And so um, I hope that helps you because the reality is it's not, walking with God is not always um, rose petals. Sometimes there's thorns in that. And um, anyway, we're going to pray and we're going to close out. Um, if you bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for what you're teaching us about um, our own struggles with understanding you. When we feel like sometimes that you're inattentive, Lord, or you're, 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 you're just late, you're uncooperative. It's just sometimes our perspective is skewed by our suffering. It's like a fog that we sit in, Lord. And, and I just pray that Father, that we would just like the application part of this verse, that we would learn to trust that you that you got a purpose in all this. There's a purpose to it. And Lord, we, help us to trust that you don't waste pain and trials. 
And Lord, that you, that you, you develop our characters. And so, Lord, I just pray that one day, I pray that one day through hindsight that we'd be able to see the value of what we went through and the struggle that we went up against. And Lord, I just find encouragement knowing that one day, because we've surrendered to you and we follow you and we call ourselves Christ followers and we've given it all to you, that one day we get to be with you in paradise where you promised there'll be no weeping, no pain, no, no suffering, no death. And that there'll be joy and that there'll be peace and there'll be your presence. And we thank you that we have access to it. Lord, we know that life can be hard. Life can be not easy. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to not get discouraged, to not get angry, to not walk away from you, but to trust that you've got a purpose for us. If you're in here this morning and you feel like, man, I just... Sometimes I just need to trust more that there's a purpose to this. If you're in here, would you be courageous without anybody look around, heads closed, eyes bowed? Would you please take a, a, a step of courage, a courageous step and just say, hey, God, I want to trust more in your purpose more. If that's you, raise your hand I can pray, so I can pray for you. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. Good, good. Good. Raising my hand, too. Lord, I just thank you so much for um, the process the refining process where you are making us into a masterpiece. And sometimes when you're chisel awaying at the rock and making us into this beautiful work of art, sometimes that chiseling process hurts. It's painful. But Lord, we pray that we would trust you with all our hearts and wouldn't lean on our own understanding and our own sight and our ability to see what's right in front of us. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this day. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. And we're going to worship. And part of the beauty about worship is that we, in the midst of that pain, in the midst of the suffering, we say, God, you're good. Right? That's what worship is. It's giving to him what he deserves. He's a good God. He loves us. That's the bottom line. Right? Where, where, are, where are we without his love and his truth? We're nothing. We have nothing. But with him, we have purpose. With him, that purpose can carry us through some of the darkest things. That's why we keep on striving on. We keep on fighting on. Just remember, it's got a purpose for you. Remember, there is a finish line. So run the race. Run the race to win. So that one day, when you get to heaven, Jesus and God will say, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of you guys want to hear that one day? Thank you for joining us. Please join us again next week. Aloha.